Today is March the 10th, which ironically is the 10th week in the 10 series. See what I did there? I didn't plan, I didn't plan on that, no. So we're wrapping up the 10 series. So here's what's going to happen. If you're here today for the very first time, right about now you're thinking, if there was any way I could sneak out of here without anybody seeing me, I would. Because you don't know what the 10 series is about. You have no idea. But we already thought about that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the first half of this message. We're just going to recap for you what we have talked about for the last 10 weeks. So at the end of that, we're going to go into some worship. And here's what you're going to do. I'm telling you this ahead so you can think. At the front today, we got some canvases. Here's one right here. We got a canvas over on this side. We got some markers next to them. There's markers in that, and there's markers in a basket behind there. So at the end of this first section, when the band comes up to start doing worship, I'm going to ask you, we're having crowd participation today. I love crowd participation. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. After we've recapped all the things we've talked about for the last 10 weeks, the things that we have done, we've read in the Bible, we've been reading the same thing every single day in the, if you've been doing the 10, 10, 10 reading plan. Lots of good things has happened. We've heard testimony after testimony of things that God has done in your life over the last 10 weeks. This has been fantastic. Who can say yes? Yes. So what we're going to do is at the end of all this recapping, I'm going to give you the chance just to kind of circle two or three of those words. Think back over the weeks that we've been in here talking. More than likely, every week has been life-changing because I'm just that good. I'm just kidding. More than likely, what's happened is all the weeks have been good, but one or two just, you know, it was right where you were. I mean, God rocked your world. It might have been something I taught. It might have been one of the times that Phil taught. It might have been when, we, when Eugene taught. Um, but one, of the, one or two of these words has, gonna, has rocked your world. And that's what we're going to give you the chance. During worship today, the lights will kind of be down a little bit, so nobody's going to see if you have good or bad handwriting. We're going to ask you to come to the canvases and just take a pen and just write. It's one or two things that God has really done in your life over the last 10 weeks. Does that make sense? Right about now, your mind is going blank, and if you have panic attacks, you're starting to freak out. That's why I told you ahead of time. Not so you could freak out, but so you could think. I want you to think right now, okay? As we go back through and we review, I want you to think about what God has taught you. Here's the basic idea of the first 10, of the 10 series. It was simply this, that you would give God the first 10. That you would give God the first 10. We talked about giving him the first 10 weeks of the year, right? What is it about giving God the first 10? What's so special about that? Matthew 9:22. There's something powerful and there's something redeeming about first things, and here's what it is. Giving something first always requires faith. It takes no faith to give last. Have you noticed that? Like to pull out your wallet and go, "Well, it's the end of the month." And I'll just go ahead and give what I've got left over. Oh, look at that, a dollar bill. I mean, it takes no faith to give it. But if you gave that same dollar on the front end before you paid your bills, before you did anything else, that takes faith. Forget about money for a second. Think about your time. I know none of you ever think like this, but I do. You wake up in the morning, and you're pretty sure you should spend time with Jesus first, but you're already thinking, if I do that, I'm never going to get everything done that I've got to get done. So it takes faith to give God on the front end. It takes no faith to give to God on the back end. 
So we've talked about giving God the first ten. Matthew 9.22 says this. It's this woman. She's been bleeding. She says, if I can just touch his cloak, I'll be healed. In Matthew 9.22, Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter. Your faith has healed you. Faith moves God. Bold faith moves his heart. Luke, 8, Luke 18, 42. Just another example of how faith moves God. Luke 18, 42. This man's talking to him. He's blind, and he says to Jesus, you know, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. In verse 42, Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. It takes faith to give God the first. But faith is what moves God. Bold faith really moves God. So here's the things we challenge you to give to God in the last 10 weeks. We ask you to give him the first 10 minutes of every day. Just the first 10 minutes of every day. <laughs> Before I brush my teeth? Yeah, I mean, God, nobody else in your family can handle your bad breath in the morning. But God can. Just give them the first 10 minutes of your day. Just roll out of bed. Okay, go get some coffee first. How many of you think better when you have had a cup of coffee? Yeah, me too. So just roll out of bed, brew the coffee, hit the Keurig button, whatever you want to do. Get that little cup of joe. And then while you're drinking it, sit down, open up your Bible. And we have read through a reading plan that allows you to read one chapter a day. It takes about 10 minutes to read a chapter and to make notes about that chapter. So we just challenge you, hey, over the next, of the first 10 weeks of the year, give God the first 10 minutes of the day. Because I've been a youth pastor for a long time. And I know teenagers that would say this, my best time with God, my best time, when I am at my best, is at one in the morning, as I lay my head on the pillow, and I close my eyes. I'm like, you are full of it. Nobody's best time is at 1 in the morning when you put your head on the pillow. When you put your head on the pillow at 1 o'clock, you're, you're sleeping. But I'm talking to God. No, you're not. First 10. The first 10. Give them the first 10 minutes. We challenge you to give God 10%. The first 10% of every dollar that came into your house during the last 10 weeks. Now, that's a big one, right? And that's a tough one to even talk about because a lot of times we think that, well, church is all they want is my money. We don't need your money. I mean, we, we like it, but God doesn't need your money. He's just after you, right? He just wants your heart. He wants your faith. It takes faith to give God the first 10%. And we challenge you to, have, to give God 10 nights. What does that look like? What's one thing we talk about here all the time? It starts with a C and has unity in it. Yeah, community groups. We talk about community groups all the time. We just challenge you, hey, take the first 10 weeks of the year, if you've never been to a community group, and just give a community group a shot. Just 10 nights, only 10, just go give it a shot. So we provide, a, a, there's a, one that meets here in the coffee shop for people that are kind of new to the church and don't know anybody. There's others all around the area. Just go pick one. Give it a shot. We challenge you to have 10 conversations, not just 10 conversations about Duke and Carolina. Sorry I had to bring that up, Carolina fans. You're welcome if you're a Duke fan. And state fans like me, we're just neutral because we're not still don't play in big games. God, I hate that. Maybe someday. 
Not 10 conversations about politics. Not 10 conversations about sports. Not 10 conversations about your marriage. We've challenged you to have 10 conversations over 10 weeks about specifically what you've read in the Bible. Just by a show of hands, pastors should never do this because like one person is going to raise their hand, which makes it look like a whole failure, right? But how many of you over the last 10 weeks have had a conversation at some point with somebody about what you have read in the Bible? Let me see your hand. You kind of walk away going, wow, that went a lot better than I thought. I love that. It just builds us up. Somehow we get stronger when we talk about it. So we challenge you to, to give God 10 minutes, 10%, 10 nights, and 10 conversations. And many of you took the challenge, and here's what we talked about over the last nine weeks. Let's just recap real quick. You've got blanks to fill in. And I, I put the number 10 in all of them just to mess you up a little bit while you try to fill it in. But you can copy it off the screen. Here we go. Week one, we talked about being intentional. Intentional. How many of you today is the first time that you actually realized that every word had the number 10 in it? Yeah, thank you. I'm glad, I just want to make sure I want, I want to point that out because I felt like that was a, a, a brilliant moment for me, okay? Brilliant. Brilliant moment. Pride comes before fall. Okay. So that first week we talked about being intentional. This was the big idea. You don't have to write this down. These are all on the website, thegatheringnow.com. You can go to the 10 microsite. They're all there, okay? But the first week, the key phrase, the big, the key phrase was intentional. The big idea was prioritize to keep from compromise. We talked about this. Look, there's no way in the world that you're ever going to do these things for 10 weeks if you don't get intentional about doing them, right? Good things don't typically happen by accident. I mean, our dream would be to win the $800 million lottery, right? A lot of us are like, if I could just win the lottery. Well, whether you think you should win the lottery, play the lottery, whatever, you don't win the lottery if you don't buy a ticket. I've yet to read about a guy that said, I just won the lottery. Where'd you buy the ticket? I just found it on the ground. Doesn't happen. I mean, at some point, you've got to be intentional about what you're doing. I ran a marathon yesterday. Not my best, but I did finish, which is awesome. And I never would have even done that if I hadn't been intentional about training forever to do it. You don't just wake up one, well, some people probably do. You don't wake up one day and go, I think tomorrow I'm going to run a marathon. If you do, you're going to die, and you deserve to die. That's stupid, right? Intentional, intentional. Week two, we talked about contentment. When we say yes to the best, we can say no to the rest. This is something the church desperately needs. We need to have an attitude of contentment. We're not trying to get more and more and more stuff. We're simplifying. We're focused on what matters the most. Week three, we talked about attention. Phil taught on where your attention goes, your identity follows. What you're looking at influences who you are. Attention. What is your attention on in your life? What are you placing your attention on? Let's put our attention on Jesus. Week four, we talked about tension. Something that all of us experience on Sunday on the way to church. Right? Don't raise your hand, but how many of you, the worst family time you, you spend is the car ride to and from church? I, I love it. It's great. You know, I don't have a... I'm not, no, we'll save that story for some other time because it makes me look bad. 
You have to come back another Sunday. I don't mind sharing it, but it was one of my Father of the Year moments. <laughs> tension. Here was the, the big idea. Fighting through the tension. Because how many of it, if we're honest, we start to feel tension, and what do we want to do? Pull back, right? Not many people want to press through tension, okay? So the key, the, the phrase, the big idea was fighting through the tension leads us to a new dimension. God wants to do great things in your life, and typically it means you have to go through tension to get there. Week five, consistency. Consistency. We complete what we repeat. Week six, Eugene got up and taught. Great, great week. He taught on being tenacious. Tenacious, like being a bulldog. Being tenacious means never being shaken. I love people that just can focus like that, right? It's like, that's, I know where I'm going, and nobody's going to stop me. Like a pregnant woman who's got to go to the bathroom, right? Get in my way, and I'm going to knock you down. I'm going to the bathroom because the baby's got to pee. Tenacious. Tenacious. Or a pregnant woman with dessert. Either one works. Week seven was potential. Week seven was potential. This was the week that we pulled out the giant five-pound Hershey bar. Just thinking about it makes me happy again. And we lifted it up and we smashed it on the floor. We broke the thing to smithereens. And we talked about brokenness is not the end. But even things that are broken can can still taste sweet. How many of you caught a piece of chocolate that day and ate it? Did it still, still taste good? Yeah. Okay. So brokenness is never the end of your life. Never the end of your life. Um, we have great potential to do great things for God. The big idea that week was our response to brokenness unlocks our potential for greatness. Week eight, straightened. Phil taught on, being, on, on walking a path that's straightened. And the key phrase there, the big idea was when we're aligned with Jesus, we just go straight. Remember the picture of the car being aligned? How many of you right now are driving a car that's out of alignment? I mean, anybody want to raise their hand? <laughs> we were on the way to Columbia, and we hit the brake, and we, we felt it, you know? It's like, God, didn't we just get that done? Apparently, you have to do that a lot over and over and over again. You have to get your car aligned. You have to rotate your once a year, once a year. I always thought it was once a decade. <laughs> Maybe that's my problem, right? Rotate the tires, get them balanced, get them in a line, in alignment. So we talked about that that day, that when we are aligned with Jesus, we just surprisingly go straight. Week nine, we talked about being extended. That was last week, extended. We reach for what we value. We reach for what we value. Nine words to this point, intentional, contentment, attention, tension, consistency, tenacious, potential, straightened, and extended. And I'm going to go ahead and give you the 10th word because I think you've got a blank on your sheet for it. It is rewritten. Rewritten. That's what we're going to talk about today. Rewritten. I better take a deep breath. Here's what we're going to do. That was the worst part, and it's over. Aren't you glad? Here's what we're going to do now. The band's going to come up, and we're going to start to do some worship. As they're coming, I want you to do this. I want you to look at your sheet. You've already you filled in those words. I just want you to start to think about which of those words, which of those two or three words really have impacted you. What has God shown you over the last ten weeks? 
if you're like, you know what, I'm looking at these words and none of them. I mean, you're good, Paul, but that was terrible. Okay, that's cool. I can live with that. But I bet if you've been reading the Bible, God's spoken to you. And that's even better than me, right? Always better. Jesus is always better. He's the best teacher. So if you've read through the scriptures, what's the passage of scripture? What's something he taught you in the word that you just, just you can't get out of it? You can't get away. And that's just what God does. Here's what we want to do. As they're leading worship, life's going to go off. And we're just going to start to worship, okay? Just like we always do. You're going to stand up. It's going to be great. And as you're ready, you just come on up. We're going to do four at a time. There's four pens. And we're just going to fill these canvases with a word, a phrase, something. As you look back, as you look back, that's point number one, a look back. As we look back over the last ten weeks, what has God done in your life? Scott, this is your time. We just want to worship you, God. We want to. We really want to write down something specific that you have done in our lives. Something you've shown us. Because we don't want to just spend ten weeks of our life and just forget about it. Thank you for how you've spoken to us in your word. Come and God use this time to focus us even more on what you have done in us. In your name, Jesus. It feels like it's getting kind of warm in here. That's our health simulator. We run it from time to time to make sure nobody wants to go there. <laughs> All right. Um, listen, it's, it's great to look back. Which is what we just did. It is fantastic to look back. Um, how many of you have picture books? Um, you pull out your iPhone, your iPad, you get on your computer, you just look at pictures, and you just go, oh, I love that. We're kind of at that stage now. Our kids are growing. So we look back, and we see pictures of them, and we just remember. You ever do that? Just kind of get nostalgic, and men start crying, but they act like they're not, you know, oh, just me? Awesome. Um, it's great to look back. The whole point of, the, of taking the time this morning, just kind of, I can't wait to read what, what we've written on these canvases, just to, to look back. It's so good to look back. But how many of you know people who have looked back so much they can't get back? Um, these, are, these are really large men that sit on their front porch and talk about their high school glory days, Right? I was so awesome back then, 25 years ago. It's like, what are you doing now? Well, I don't know, but back then I was amazing. We know Christians like that. Do you know people like that? Been around them in church, and they're still talking about what God did years ago. Like, that's fantastic. What's he doing now? I don't know, but back then, man, we don't sing the songs like those days. Those songs were amazing. They had one word. Everybody knew them. Now they're all complicated. We, it's so easy to look back and, and, and kind of get, um, for lack of a better term, we just kind of get stuck. I've got some pictures of people that are stuck. I thought maybe you'd enjoy some of them just to kind of give you a mental break. Um, I don't know which one of you drove your car there, but that's stuck. And then I think we have another vehicle that's stuck. Any truck drivers here? Uh, that's a bad day, right? That's a bad day. Okay. Um, I think we have a, another picture of somebody stuck. Yeah. 
Okay, just before we move on from that, just by a show of hands, how many of you, how many of you have ever stuck your tongue on a cold metal pole? Do you get your stung tuck? I mean, your stung, your stung tuck? <laughs> Do you get your stung tuck? <laughs> Does your tongue really get stuck? Okay, I've never tried it, and now I don't have to. Thank you. You see, it's, it's wise to learn from your mistakes. It's wiser to learn from somebody else's mistake, right? And then I think we have one more picture of somebody that's really, really stuck. I love that picture. <laughs> I love that. Um, not that I'd ever encourage this, but you know you can duct, pa- duct tape people to the wall, right? Um, you should try that with people in your family. Or duct tape your spouse to the bed, you know, at night. Just, I'm just saying. Okay. Listen, understanding the purpose of the past is the key to not getting stuck in the past. Never, never live in the past. That's that first blank you get to fill out in number two. Never live in the past. Always live from the past. Never live in the past. Always live from the past. You don't have time to write this down. You can get on the online in the notes. Living in the past means that our best days are behind us and we live defeated. Living from the past means that our best days are ahead of us and we live dreaming. It's a really big difference between living in the past and living from the past. Are you defeated or are you dreaming? In fact, most of the Psalms, if you read the Psalms, most of them are about remembering what God has done back then in order to trust Him for what He will do. Remembering God's faithfulness in the past allows us to have faith in the present. Remembering God's faithfulness in the past allows us to have faith in the present. Wendy and I sometimes, when we um, get discouraged, um, and y'all never get discouraged, but sometimes when Wendy and I get discouraged, we will sit down and literally have a conversation where we start talking about all the things we've seen God do in our lives. When we're really struggling financially and we're wondering if God's going to come through, we always have the envelope conversation. I don't know if I've shared this story with you or not, but back when I started that youth thing and we were trying to do ministry in the city for teenagers, and we had bills that we had to pay and payroll, and we didn't have any money. I mean, the money was gone. And it was like, crud, I have, to have a, I have to have a conversation with somebody and say stuff like, I know your family needs the money, but I can't pay you. And one Wednesday night after church, after youth group, I went back in my office, and I opened up my drawer, and I noticed this envelope that was wrapped up in a sheet of paper that I'd never seen there before, and I never checked my desk on Wednesday night. And so I pulled it out, and I opened up the sheet of paper, and, it, and all it said was, hey, God bless you. Use it however you want. And I was like, sweet. And I noticed how thick the envelope was. It was like one of those bank envelopes. And I immediately thought, because I'm a youth pastor, oh, how sweet. Somebody gave me $21 bills. It, it was $7,000 worth of $100 bills. Sweet! We don't have to lay anybody off. This is awesome, right? So we have that conversation like God always comes through. It's great to look back to see what he did so that you have faith in the present for what he can do. I just heard this story yesterday. This blows my mind. There's a man in town 
that was just walking downtown and saw somebody, and God said, go give him $100. And he's like, okay. So he walks up and gives him $100. You know why he gave him $100? Because he had just the week earlier, and this is a guy that he's like, y'all remember when Koshi came from India? This is like an American Koshi, okay? If you don't know who Koshi Baby is, he's a man in India, and he is basically, he could be a doctor, he could have all the money in the world, but he and his wife have just given it all away so that they can live in the slums and just minister to kids, rescue girls off the street. They're all in, right? We talk about being all in, they're all in. And this man is like an American Koshi. He's got no money, he's just doing what God tells him to do. So God says, go give the guy $100, he gives him $100. Found out that last week, he found 14 coins at his house. Like, they just showed up. Somebody just dropped them off. They're not any coins. These are like Canadian uncirculated coins valued at $80,000. That's a story he'll be telling for a while, right? So down the road when he needs, say, like, you know, God wants to, hey, go do such and such. It's going to cost $10,000. And he goes, I don't have $10,000. How am I going to have to? Oh, that's right. You can provide Canadian uncirculated coins. See, looking back is great as long as we don't live in the past, but we live from the past. Remembering what God did then helps us be ready for what he wants to do now. I don't want you to take my word for it, so here's what we're going to do. The purpose of the past, whether good or bad, is to prepare us for the future. It is found in 2 Corinthians. I want you to turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at a couple verses here, and then we'll wrap it up. Because I know y'all are craving Mexican right now, am I right? Okay. Me and Kenny. Awesome. Kenny and Annie are going to have a baby girl. Didn't know if you knew that or not. We're all so thankful, because I don't think we were ready for Kenny Jr. yet. Were we? Like, do what Wendy and I did. When we found out that she was pregnant, we immediately started praying, oh, God, let the kids look like her. And he did, thankfully, except for Parker. Pray for him. <laughs> All right, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to read from 7 to 18. It's a lot of verses. You're going to get lost, and we're going to go back and break it down, okay? 2 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 7. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory... So that the Israelites could not steadily look at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was. How many of you are already just like, what? Okay, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? Everybody say more. If the ministry that condemns men, in it, that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? Everybody say more. For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was fading away came from glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. How bold? Very bold. We are not like Moses. I mean, how? what is very bold? What does that look like? Very bold is a middle school student walking up to a girl and asking her to dance. Well, that's bold. Very bold is an ugly middle school boy <laughs> walking up to a girl and saying, hey, babe, you want to dance? Right? It's like he's taking no for an answer. He's not taking no for an answer, right? He's very bold. Okay? So the Bible says we have faith. We're very bold. 
We're not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull. For to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. I know you're lost. Hang in there. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, that sounds good, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. All right, there's a lot going on there. Here's how we're going to break it down. Number one, the past can't compare with the future. The past cannot compare with the future. That's what verses 7 through 9, we read 7 through 9, and all of us are like, what in the world does that mean? Basically, he's saying, look, the past was great. Lots of good glory there, but it's nothing like what's happening now. The past can never compare with the future. Verses 10 through 11, let's sum it up this way. In the kingdom of Jesus, future glory is always, everybody say always. always. Future glory is always greater than past glory. In the kingdom of Jesus, future glory is always better than past glory. Which is really good news if we've seen God do a lot of great stuff in the past, right? Because that means he wants to do greater things in the future. Future glory is always better than past glory. Here's the translation. The best is yet to come. Or, as I like to say, the big idea for today, and you're going to love this big idea. This is the last big idea of the 10 series, okay? So you know I saved my best for last. Here we go. The prequel is no equal to the sequel. You like that, don't you? All you Star Wars people are like, yeah, ain't that the truth? The prequel is no equal to the sequel. We have canvases right now that are full of the prequel. This is what God has done. And it will not compare to what he will do. Because the prequel is no equal to the sequel. You will be saying that for the rest of the day. When we know this, when we get the fact that God is always pointing ahead, then here's what happens. In verse 12, we live with boldness. We become like the middle school boy who, takes, who will not take no for an answer, right? We have bold faith. And we have freedom. Verse 17, he said, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Because the future is built on the past. Verse 18 says, in the NIV it says, ever-increasing glory. And in the, I think it's the King James says this. Look, God is all about going from glory to glory. I love that. Glory to glory. Now, some of us, we go from gory to glory or from glory to gory. Glory. Oh, youth camp was awesome. Three weeks later, gory. My life stinks. God doesn't go down. He always moves up. Glory to glory. Because the prequel is no equal to the sequel. Here's what it really means. We're wrapping it up. And this is so simple, it's going to blow your mind. going to blow your mind. I love to blow your mind. It all, 
It's all something that you saw in high school and in middle school numerous times. It's a very simple symbol, okay? You've all seen this. That will just drive home the fact that the past prepares us for the future, and it points us to the future. What is this symbol on the screen? It's what? An alligator mouth? <laughs> Wrong. In math, what is it? Great, it's greater than, right? It's greater than. That's the symbol for greater than. Real simple question. Which way is it pointing? Is it pointing backwards or is it pointing forwards? Point. You are all full of wrong answers today. What's up with that? It points forward. The greater than symbol points forward. It points forward because the greater things in your walk with Jesus are always, everybody say always, always ahead of you and never behind you. Your life is a story. Your life is a story. And the gospel of Jesus is always adding pages to it. And while we know that our lives have been written, right? I mean, because can you change your past? No, because it's been written. But as long as you're breathing, the gospel says that he is always going to be rewriting our lives. So as long as we're breathing, our lives are being rewritten. That's the beauty of the gospel. You don't have to be here for 10, 10 weeks. Some of you, this is like your first day here, and you're like, that's awesome, because I didn't have to come for nine weeks. I got that. And if you don't get anything else out of the 10 series, man, that's what I want you to get. Listen, church, the, the, the American church, we're so bad about turning everything into an event. I remember back in 2013, we took the first 10 weeks and read the Bible. Mm. God's never talked to me like that since. Yeah, because you don't read the Bible anymore, idiot. <laughs> it's not a 10-week event. He's not done it in the past just so you can have a past. He's done it in the past to prepare you for greater things, which are always that way. It's always ahead of you. Your life is being rewritten. And that is such good news for most American people. I say most because some people don't believe that they screwed their lives up. But m you did. So did I. If we have a past, we have bad choices. And we are not defined by those. We actually have the chance to let Jesus turn the page and rewrite our lives. And nobody else can do that. Oprah can't rewrite your life. She's tried, and she's made a lot of money doing it. Dr. Phil can't write your rewrite your life. And if I could have Dr. Phil here, I would sit him right here, and I'd go, Dr. Phil, you're bald, all that stuff, awesome. You don't have the power to rewrite my life. How's that working for you? <laughs> the church cannot rewrite your life. 
I can't rewrite your life. I wouldn't want to rewrite your life. I can't even spell well. But the power of the gospel can rewrite your life. Because the greater things are always ahead of you. So what does that simple symbol mean for us? Here's what it means. Just a couple things. It means that God will not waste your pain. It means that your past does not define you. And I, I don't know how you feel about pain. I don't like it. Some of y'all, maybe you like pain. I don't at all. I mean, yesterday when I was running the marathon, because I really do have dreams of Boston qualifying, which would be awesome. I'm going to have to wait till I'm 80 because then I can take longer to do it. But I always want to Boston qualify until I run a marathon. And then like somewhere around mile 18, I'm like, I don't want to Boston qualify. I just want to live. It hurts. It really hurts. Look, in your life, you know what? Like, there's pain in your life. I want you to know something. That's not a stage that God wants to hurry up and get you through. He doesn't waste your pain. I have told you this time and time again. The worst year of my life, pretty much everything I teach from now on comes from that year. The worst year of my life. Pain like you would not believe. But the fruit that it bears is unbelievable. He does not waste your pain. That's good news. Your past doesn't define you. I love this. It means that no matter how good your past was, your future can be better. And some of you, I mean, I'm thinking about Jan. You've had, a, I mean, a hard year, but an amazing year. Like, every time I talk to Jan, she's like, she's like the Velcro person for money. Have you noticed that? She's like, I got more back on taxes than I thought. I just walked by the bank and money jumped out and leapt on me. It's crazy. I mean, it's been a hard year, but it's just amazing what God, and as, as amazing as, as it's been, this truth, that symbol says that your best days are still ahead of you. That's powerful. And last but not least, and I'm not saying this because I have gray hair, age never, everybody say never, never. age never signals the end of our usefulness in the kingdom of Jesus. Never. You can, I love, uh, I think it's Caleb in the Old Testament. He was 80 years old, and he was like, let's go. All these young whippersnappers, they were like, we're too scared. He's like, y'all are crazy. Let's go fight. I want to be an 80-year-old that says, let's go fight. Let's just go. I want to be that guy. Your age never signals the end of your usefulness. So ultimately it means this. It means that you and I should keep our forks. Now I know you've heard this story because it's all over the internet. But the reason it's all over the internet is because it's a good story, right? So just in case you've been under a rock, you haven't heard it, let me just tell you this story. There was a woman who was dying of cancer. And her pastor went to visit her. One of the last visits he was going to have with her before she died. And they're talking through the arrangements of the funeral. And she said, listen, you can do whatever you want. Just promise me that when they lay me in the casket, they'll put a fork in my hand. And he went, um, okay. She said, kind of confusing, isn't it? And he said, kind of? Like, what's the point of that? She said, well, I mean, I've been in church all my life. And we always have, like, you know, fellowship dinners and all that kind of stuff and potluck stuff. So, but whenever they would come take my plate, people would always say, to keep your fork. And she said, that was my favorite part. Because when I, they told me to keep my fork, I meant like dessert was coming, like chocolate pie and like good, the good stuff. 
And she said, I just want you to put a fork in my hand in the casket, and I want people to walk past me, and I want them to go, what's up with a fork? And he said, then, then later when, I'm, when you're giving my eulogy, I just want you to tell them the reason that she has a fork in her hand is because the best is yet to come. I love that. And that's what this whole thing means. It means keep your fork. The best is yet to come. If we just let the last 10 weeks be like the highlight of our life as a church, we failed. It's prepared us for something. I don't know what that something is. But in just a minute, the band's going to come. They're going to sing a last song. It's called Closer. It's a great song. It just talks about being closer to Jesus. And when they do it, we're going to turn the lights off again. And here's what's going to happen. These canvases that have been written on are going to go, Baba. And two new canvases are going to come up. And here's what I want you to do. It's going to require some thought. It's going to require some prayer. I just want you to ask yourself this question. What I wrote on these canvases, what God did in my life over the last nine, ten weeks, he did it for a reason. What is he preparing you for? If intentional was the word that really got me, why? What is he preparing you for? Right now your minds are blank. Let me give you some examples. It's possible that some of you will be a missionary to an unreached people group. I just thought I'd go ahead and jump in all the way on the first one. It is possible, isn't it? That God has so stirred some of us in the last 10 weeks that it is something that will never leave us. That we will never be satisfied in America until we have gone to an unreached people group to share Christ. It's possible. So let's back down a little bit. <laughs> a little more attainable. It's possible that in the last 10 weeks God has worked in your life and you feel like he is preparing you to be a better spouse, a better parent, a better son, a better daughter. I don't mean better like I'm trying to earn the love of my family, but I just want to honor my family by the way I treat them. It's possible that some of you are being burdened for a ministry. You're being burdened for a person. But the point here is, don't be that church. Don't be that church that walks out and says, that was a great series. Be the church that walks out and says, God did something in my past He's preparing me for something in my future. So when they play it through the song the first time, don't move. <laughs> like, thank you. I wasn't planning on it. <laughs> don't move. Just sit there. Just close your eyes. Just pray. Just ask God. Do some soul searching right now. What is he preparing you for? And then I'll step back up and I'll kind of tell you, hey, now's the time. We want you to come grab some pens. Come grab a marker and just try to put down in a word or two what God is preparing you for. What is, what's your future look like with Jesus?